Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Believe in K-Pop. Hope you're all doing good and staying safe. This is your host, Anthea Isaac. It's been a while, but I promise you guys, it is definitely worth the wait because I have a very special guest, a unique one, and a person that I'm really looking forward to talk to. So if you have been wondering, you know, like you just saw the title, or the description, you should have been excited as well. Like you are also a bit confused, excited to know why this particular person is here and what are we going to discuss. And of course, as a host and a fan of the guest's work, I am excited as well. So without any further delay, I would like to welcome Dr. Stephanie J. Wong to our podcast. Hi, Anthea. Thank you so much for having me. I love your energy. Um, This is cross-continent, so this is amazing. Yeah, like, it's 11.33 p.m. in India, but it feels like morning. So (laughs) thank you so much for doing this, actually. Stephanie, like, I know that we have been discussing about this particular episode for quite a long time. like for almost two months and I really wanted to make this uh, happen before the new year and really happy I know you have a lot of busy schedules you have your own things lined up but still you decided to do this and do me a favor so I'm really honored and uh, thankful oh it's not a favor at all I was just so excited to talk to somebody and kind of nerd out on some of the topics that we just both love so it's not work at all okay so yes so dr stephanie like doctor you know like is this gonna be educational yes don't worry i got you back so i'm just gonna give a quick intro on stephanie's greater things so it's just gonna be a quick and something that i was able to uh you know like bring my words try to fit in uh and i'm like i just try to fit the things that you do with my words so yeah so stephanie is a clinical psychologist and she is the founder and the host of the award-winning podcast color of success which is now available for four seasons and season five is dropping in 2023 so I definitely vouch everybody to go and give a listen to the Color of Success podcast, which is available on all streaming platforms and the videos are available on YouTube as well. So yes, a psychologist, a podcast host, why in a belief in K-pop episode? Of course, finally, Stephanie is definitely a K-pop fan and she has been working on blending both K-pop and mental health together. Uh, and one of her notable work is an interview with Elast, a K-pop boy group. They are rookies. And her beautiful write-up summarizes both K-pop and mental health together. And with idols expressing their own thoughts on mental health, it is such a beautiful read. So... Yeah, like people who have been listening to my podcast might know that I also have a similar interest of comparing K-pop and mental health. And I have finally found someone who does the same. <laughs> so I don't feel weird anymore. <laughs> Not weird at all. <laughs> Not weird at all. So yeah, Stephanie is a person who blends her knowledge of mental health, culture, entertainment, and business together. So that's what makes her stand out from uh, the rest of the guests we had before and also makes her podcast special so do definitely give a listen to her and yeah that's gonna be my quick intro and again i am super happy to have you genuinely 
Wow, that was an amazing intro. And um, part of it is I'm a huge army um, and I have my pillow right here. You know, wow. it's, it's with me. And, and the funny part is it's not just for this interview. It's it's there all the time. And so some people it catches their eye. And then I have, you know, RM in the background with the dynamite, um, you know, record and stuff like that. I mean, his new album's great. We'll get into that, of course. But um super excited because, like I mentioned, Tanthea, I could talk about this for days, guys. And so <laughs> uh, we'll give you like a sneak peek and a tidbit of kind of some of the things that we think about yeah so yeah let us just dive in and can you just give a short intro about yourself if i missed anything would you like to just uh let the people know about your career and how it all started well i think um what's really important to understand for me anyways is that Asian Americans, Asians, Asian Indians, there's a lot of stigma around mental health. And I live in the Bay Area in the United States and fortunately surrounded by many Asian Americans. However, it is still a huge stigma to seek help. And so when the pandemic hit and everyone was kind of like, let's shift to e-commerce and start our side hustles. And I was like, well, what about mental health? When we're trying to do all of these businesses, we're isolated, we're on lockdown. Um, and I don't know how it was in India, and you can share that. But for many people, they were cut off from social interaction. I mean, that was the basis, right? And so um, BTS really stepped up and put out a couple of tracks that really resonated around the world to give positivity. And I drew a lot of strength from them. So my background is I became an army when they made the American debut in 2017. Mm -hmm. And ever since then, it's kind of been BTS army mania. And I have a very understanding husband, my kids, like they, they understand this is where my extra income goes. I still pay my bills guys. But this is where my extra income goes. So um, I can't stress enough how important they are to my life. And I think a lot of people in fandoms truly understand that because it can feel obsessive, but really being able to be a part of something bigger is is at the core of it. Exactly. Yeah, lovely. Like, uh, I also wanted to add, you know, like, while you were talking about the COVID and the pandemic, uh, and you were talking about the mental health, uh, I am sure that you are able to bring out all these essence because you kind of bring in different people from different society, different backgrounds together for your podcast, which actually helps you understand this even more. Because like literally one of your episodes was with... Uh, a sleep consultant and, <laughs> yes. a, and a neurologist, like who would do that? I, I didn't know. Like, <laughs> that was, that was really different. You know, like to be very honest, I didn't know that that is a person called a sleep consultant. Uh, in our vocabulary or in our dictionary, the Asian families, no, like working hard means sacrificing your sleep. Yeah. I know, like you work hard uh, to earn more or get that recognition. So, working hard is equal to less sleep. But there are people who actually value sleep, and that kind of makes us remember how it is important and all that. So, yeah, you know, like I know I'm just fangirling with your episodes, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> No, I appreciate the support. Like someone listens, you know, and it, it could look like all over the place, but at the, at the core, right. Mental health means so many different things to so many different people. And I totally agree with you. You know, that hustle culture is perhaps it's double-edged sword because many people in our communities are very successful. They, I mean, metric wise, you know, if people mm -hmm. are depending on how they measure it, like money, um, you know, higher level uh, professionals and things like that. But if we even look at like a medical doctor, for instance, 
they're in residency, they're sleep deprived, they have to perhaps do emergency surgeries. And so what are really the implications of burnout? And especially with COVID, right? People had that paranoia and still still do about like getting sick, getting their families sick. So really being on the front lines was and is very, very difficult. That's that's beautifully said. So yeah, let us just go down the you know, like the uh, timeline and let us start with how you started falling in love with psychology because uh, you know, like very few does that. I kind of feel that very few loves psychology. Most of them try to avoid it. Um, and in the contemporary world, we don't even bother to think what the other person feels like at times. Mm-hmm. Like we are more obsessed with what we want and what we think. But yes, how did you fall in love with psychology? And of course, you did your major in psychology during college. So how was that decision taken? What inspired you to be a clinical psychologist? Well, it actually was an unfortunate event as one of the incidents in high school, one of the students committed suicide and there were no mental health services or resources available. And that really showed me there is a huge gap in our communities and in our resources that are offered. And now I, I, I was very lucky. I, I declared pre-psychology as my major, ended up loving it. And I, I knew that this is where I needed to be. I didn't really know the different levels. I, because my family, uh, they're very, very hard workers, but in the food and service industry and customer service. And so I didn't really have a, a blueprint, so to speak, of, oh, I'm going to become a doctor. I, I just thought, oh, if I'm going to become a therapist, I'll get a master's, I'll see people immediately. And, um, you know, I my eyes were opened in college by my mentor, who was a PhD student in social psychology. And she said, hey, this is what's out there. She wrote down all the things that she thought I would need to be competitive. And I followed that piece of binder paper for two and a half years, blindly. (laughs) So that's what led me to graduate school, which was very, very mentally taxing. Um, But again, I went straight from undergrad to a PhD program. And not everyone does that. Some people take breaks, they get a master's first, they come back for a second career, whatever it is. So my experience was fairly unique in that it, I just powered through. And that's for, that appeared fortunate for me later down the line because I've been, you know, practicing for over 10 years and I'm still fairly young comparatively. That's, that's amazing. And how was your experience as a clinical psychologist? It has been so interesting. So I never thought I would work in substance abuse treatment as mm-hmm. I went into residency uh, for that, but I worked at a hospital in Washington, DC, and th- it was a specialty clinic for LGBTQ plus individuals and struggle with substance abuse and co-occurring disorders. And I was like, oh, this is my jam. Like not many people are just like, oh my gosh, I love this acuity. But uh, it was it was a challenge that was different than seeing college students. Of course, mm-hmm. college students need help. Um, and I was like, this, this is where I want to go. And so I ended up in a pre-doc internship and a residency in the uh, Veterans Hospital, which I continue to work at now, um, in addition to my private practice. That's amazing. So, you know, like, I can kind of understand that clinical psychology, uh, psychologist, being a clinical psychologist is your day job. And Podcasting should be your ninth one. And as a passion, you do that. So how did your idea and uh, your passion for podcasts started? And what was the actual reason behind Color of Success? I really wanted to provide more resources to people. 
it really started with, I was getting so many referrals, which is great for business, right? But I'm only one person. And so I couldn't see everyone that was trying to come in. And just in general, all the Mm -hmm. providers were loaded because um, loaded with patients. So how could I disseminate information on a wider scale so that we can start these conversations and reduce the stigma? Of course, like the goal is for people to have mental health provider psychologists, just as they would a dentist. Um, But we are in a huge shortage in terms of mental health and, and medical, um, you know, doctors and so forth. So it really was, how do you spread a message that can empower people to really also rely on social support to have these conversations and feel inspired by people that, again, on the outside, by many metrics, seem very successful, and they are in their own right. The and part is, behind the scenes, most people have had a struggle with mental health before. It's it's normalizing that. It's, you know, it's not like one flew over the cuckoo's nest for everybody <laughs> where they're like hospitalized, which happens as well. But mm-hmm. people struggle with self-doubt, anxiety, depression, and layer a pandemic on that. And then poof, it it happens to most people. I was kind of curious, you know, like after watching your podcast, you know, like you call it color of success, but your logo is a pineapple with a crown. It's kind of interesting. And I wanted to know what was the reason behind the logo? You're the first person who has asked me that as a interviewer, which is super kudos. Um, Yeah, most people don't ask about it. And it is a little Mm -hmm. bit, um, there's a lot of meaning in it. So when I was thinking about it, pineapples really represent warmth and welcoming, especially in Hawaii and in various cultures. Now, I don't know what the kids do because I heard there's like different emojis that um, it could represent. But for me, it was about warmth, welcoming. And, you know, well, I mean, a lot of people, which I don't fully agree with, though, like when they think of Asians, they're like, oh, you know, yellow tones and, and things like that. But I kind of took it like, hey, we're I there's a crown on it because there's a level of success in owning that piece of it where Asian Americans can be successful, can be warm and empathic, and we can really open our arms to people that are having these experiences. And I didn't want to specifically put Asian Americans in the title because as you've seen from the diversity of our guests, there's a lot of ethnic minority communities that aren't Asian, Asian American, Asian Canadian, that have their struggles. And it's all about us being curious and not thinking that, oh, because they're from this background, this is how they are. And it's more about, can we share cross-culturally, even within this whole Asian American AAPI label, people have different experiences. And so I felt like colors are diverse. And also it leaves some wiggle room around, like, I don't have to like, just uh, interview a certain demographic. It's it's specific enough, but also broad enough to in- be inclusive. Wow. Wow. Thank God I asked that. <laughs> I swear. That's the, the first time I've been asked it. And I did not draw. I tried to draw it and I'm, and trust me, it looked like, a five-year-old drew it. So shout out to Peter Stoltz because he's our graphic designer and took my very rudimentary idea and turned it into what it is today. Wow, that, that's amazing. And that's also a new thing. I'm like, I never knew that pineapple always represents a flaw. So I'm getting new, new things to learn. Wow, amazing. So you did... Um, talk about your journey with K-pop and how you had your first encounter. So when I was looking through your videos, you know, like when when I was watching the podcast, you had this very calm, composed host. Uh, and uh, I was like, okay, so 
I should be this calm and composed as well. So I was just telling myself when I was watching your videos. And um, I wouldn't say accidentally, but I was not stalking as well. I just visited your Instagram and you were unboxing a BTS album or something. And in that video, you had a very different aura. You looked so excited, like how you are today. So that's, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's where I found the entire difference. Like when you are a host, you have this different aura. And when it's K-pop or when it's BTS, you, you have this joy. Oh, it's fangirl. And- Fangirl's on <laughs> like 110%. Correct. <laughs> Amazing. So I just wanted to, you know, like I was just curious to know your journey with K-pop. Like you did tell us about the encounter, but how was the journey? Absolutely. So I, that's so interesting. You're so, you're going to be a great psychologist because that's so true. And really it's not, it's one of those things where I just film it when I get it. And so it's not planned like, oh, I'm going to buy all these things. And it's, it's things that I actually like and membership boxes and things like that. Um, so I can share it with other people. Cause I know not all army have the resources that I may have, and they want to see some of these products And um, not to like brag, but like to share because people around the world also may not have access to even purchase these things. And why not share beautiful faces of BTS with everybody? (laughs) So I'm even getting excited talking about it. Um, But it, it really started again with learning a little bit more about BTS. They really talk about mental health and sociopolitical issues and, you know, I really resonate with them, their personalities, because despite or, you know, with all this success, they continue to remain super humble, which is how I would like to continue to live my life. Like, obviously, I'm not like BTS status. The and part is there's so much to learn from them. And they're also a lot more honest about the struggles that they go through and even though it might sometimes have backlash from, you know, haters or antis, they live their truth. And sometimes that means sharing the struggles and things that may not go their way, like the Grammys or, or something like that. So um, I just, I give it, of course, I don't fully know them. I would love to know them personally, <laughs> but their persona out there is very much, that's how I interpret it. Mm, that's lovely so did you ever get to start watching other groups or follow different groups and their music so in this household my husband's a huge blink we've called a truce because we truly believe that jenny and v are dating um as confirmed by who who i sat with at the blackpink concert she has a friend Mm -hmm. who you know um that may have some insider information but i do I mean, I believe that. So there's a there's a truce. I love Blackpink. I Jenny is like my style icon, um, but it's just like playful banter between my husband and I, like as to which fandom is better. He he likes BTS too, but I drag him to all the concerts and we travel and things like that. So I was being a supportive partner um, when we went to the Blackpink concert recently, and I mean, I love them. They're they are so so dope and. You know, like I said, but it's just how do you keep a marriage alive? You have fandoms and you give each other crap, you know? <laughs> um, I also pulled my daughter um out of school and I said, You're gonna really value me as a mother later in your life to realize this is what I did. But we pulled them out of school and I took my oldest to the Enhypen concert and love 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 them right but they're more her generation so Mm -hmm. like to me no one can replace bts but like they're definitely so awesome we watched the whole island series wow like i was actually expecting my next question was like did you make your kids watch txt but you kind of skipped txt and you went to end hyphen uh txt is gonna be a little sad (laughs) But yeah, that's that's lovely. You know, like you encouraging your kids to enjoy music as well. Because trust me, as an Asian daughter, 
I would have been calling my mom for concerts if she's fine as well. Like, mommy, please. <laughs> I think those experiences are also educational because my whole goal too for my daughters is to feel a part of and not a foreigner in this country and by exposing them to K content they're seeing people who look pretty similar to them they're I'm not Korean but just this whole idea is you have someone who's Asian that's on the screen and you know that they can they're doing a whole bunch of cool things and speaking up to representing that's yeah. that's beautiful stuff. so where did this idea of you know like combining your fangirl and your professional side come together that is k-pop and mental health so is it something because two of the topics interest you or are you just sitting thinking how to relate this together What was the idea behind this? I don't think it's very planful. My producer actually jokes like, every time you mention BTS, and I think that you should continue that and weave it into the conversation. I mean, it it doesn't always, but it it appears multiple times, as you probably heard. Um, but it, it's really not planful. I really believe in bringing my authentic self to every. arena that I'm in. And I'm, and I know that's a, in a place of privilege because where I'm at in my career, I could do that. Um, but K-pop BTS are such a huge part of my identity as a person and professionally, because they do so many good things. And I think you saw my post on them going to the white house and the symbolism of that. So there, there's just so much content that I can really pull out. I mean, I was watching Jackson Wang's interview on Woody FM and he was talking about this essential loneliness that he feels. And even though he's surrounded by so many people, two years ago, he was drinking to avoid, he's still struggling with it. And it's so cool that he's talking about it. And at the same time, I'm like, hey, Jackson, call me, let's talk professionally because, you know, um, not because you're famous, but because I just felt his pain you know, as he was talking about it. And um, I, recently Ellen DeGeneres, like just today, uh, Twitch, the DJ committed suicide. And so just seeing an entertainment, not just K-pop, but these, these folks that, again, look happy, jovial on the outside, really are struggling as well. And we, we really don't know what's going on in people's lives. That's, that's, that's literally the same thing that I say to people around me, like, like exactly the same, like entertainers become entertaining content for people to gossip and enjoy. Yeah. They don't just entertain us on TV. They become an entertainer in our daily life. Uh, but we hardly think what they go through and, oh my God, we can go on talking about this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yes, so what are your intakes? Like we did speak about K-pop being that source of, uh, you know, like a positive influence on people who are struggling. But uh, as we move on, we are finding that K-pop is being the biggest phenomenon uh, in the world. So how is your take on that as a psychologist, as you see people growing, you know, like looking up to them or... focusing only on them, uh, how would you like to interpret this situation? You know, just like anything, things mm-hmm. in excess can be dangerous, right? You see sasangs following these celebrities, stalking them and not giving them the privacy that they deserve as human beings. And obviously people, there's a lot of antis out there and that's like anti-fan for, for those that are part of fandoms. And they say really awful things. And some of the, the difficulty is they, some idols have to really fit these prescribed rules. Like, why is it that when someone is dating or a rumor to date, that it's this huge thing where people get death threats and things like that, right? It, it shouldn't be at that level. Like, 
they still are humans and they should be able to live their lives and love people, be loved and all those kinds of things. So I think when people start to get more on the obsessive side where it's all consuming, it's in a way an addiction, right? And being able to separate yourself as a fan and someone who gives gives love to the group because it's it's synergy, right? These these folks wouldn't survive in a business if it weren't for people like us and maybe these obsessive fans. But I think there is a boundary that shouldn't really be crossed when it comes to their privacy and, you know, following them on planes mm-hmm. and things like that. I mean, it's, it gets really tricky. Exactly. Like, of course, we have Cezans and the craziness. We were talking about the scenario like affecting the idol's life and their privacy. Uh, but to focus more on the fans, you know, like the fans who uh, breathe in and breathe out uh, about K-pop. You know, like it's just more personal question. Like they think about K-pop or they think about their idols 24 by 7. And whenever they feel lonely, the instant solution that comes to their head is to listen to their favorite artist's song, but not go to a friend or even a therapist or even right. to their siblings or parents. They don't, I kind of feel, I'm not sure, it's just my perception. I feel that the current generation has started getting isolated from people, started disconnecting from people, yeah. and have got more involved with music and movies being their comfort. So what is your intake on this? Well, especially having children, we have to set boundaries with devices, right? And I think that's the thing is that now it's a different ballgame, right? Everyone has a some sort of device where they're connected to Mm -hmm. social media. I mean, some people refuse, um, which is, I, I respect that a lot. And it takes a lot of effort. Um, but part of it is limiting doom scrolling, limiting intake of negative energy that you're putting out. And I, it it is a completely different shift and instantaneous content that you can get versus waiting every week for a new episode or whatnot. So people can find all sorts of content that kind of fit into their mindset or perception of somebody. And that's the unfortunate part of being in the public eye is that every single move is being evaluated. And I think psychologically, many people, they don't want to talk about their dating life because many of these fans think that they have a chance with them. <laughs> like mm-hmm. They're going to be, this is going to be our husband and things like that. And that's not real. I mean, there's some, I'm sure like there's some people who have connected with fans or whatnot. I mean, in America, that's, that's a kind of a given for a lot of people because <laughs> they're like throwing themselves at them. Um, but there are a lot of prescribed rules to these things and it, to have people have access to your life 24 seven and nor is it healthy to like watch someone with all your time and really understanding what is tangible and real versus what is something that helps you cope as one coping strategy? So what would you call the line, you know, like the line that divides uh, from the artist being that support system for you and the other side is where the artist being the only support system for you. So how do you know, like how does a fan or a person cross their lines and know their limitations or know where to stop like are there any possibilities to understand that I think you defined it really well (laughs) you know when you're like by your if you are just focusing on k-pop all day all night um and of course like people work in it they they live and breathe it but if it is taking away from having genuine meaningful relationships in your life, you kind of want to take a look at that. Like that cannot be the only 
uh, source of social support for people and they need to get out there and experience life and talk to people (laughs) and self-soothe as well. Like it can't always be an external um, coping strategy. But yes, again, I know, like I told you, I I have so much interest in this. So I'm going to keep asking questions. Like when it comes to music, why do you think that music is more consoling or it is a perfect uh, companion or a support? How how does the world run with music? How does it? I mean, it's so easily accessible now. Well, one, it's not like you're waiting for in line. I don't know if you guys had this tower records for like, you know, the tapes and the, you know, the CDs and things like that. So it is something that for many people, I mean, there's free content out there. So if you're thinking about, well, should I go to a therapist that costs this amount versus putting in my earbuds? you know, there, there's that barrier. Um, but the other part is music has always been part of the fabric of every society and as a form of entertainment, even before uh, iPhones and, and all those things, people just sing or hum or um, even if they're around a campfire playing the guitar, you know, for a gathering, it is essential in every culture. And it continues to be a important because for, like I said, for BTS, they transcend the cross continent. It They have unified people from all around the world. And that is very comforting for people, but I think it's not just about music, right? People have to package themselves as businesses and there are pros and cons to that. But um, I think people resonate with the artists that, they can relate to and RM just dropped his Indigo album. And he says, you know, one of the goals was to be able to translate his own personal experience to the masses that people can resonate with in general, like, um, you know, lonely. I mean, being in a hotel room and it was very parallel to what we had to go through with COVID, right? Like, Obviously, we're not going to be mobbed by fans, Um, but that whole idea of there's a loneliness in sitting with yourself when you cannot leave a space. That's that's amazing. So, uh, you know, like we were talking about BDS and of course, BDS has brought out a lot of social messages related to mental health and social issues. And it has now become like more like a standard where a lot of upcoming fourth generation artists also try to bring in social messages and mental health messages through their music. So my question here is, is it necessary uh, or has it become unnecessary for entertainers to start motivating their fans through their music or can entertainment be there for entertainment's sake? I think it's all about the listener and the audience. Some people really want that. And other people are like, I just want a feel good song that I could just put on. Right. And and is this something that we even want to consume? And I think most people can relate to that. And maybe that's why they fall back on that being their only uh, coping or support system. So, yeah, the next one is, is it really okay with people looking up to K-pop and making them the source or the influence of motivating or motivation? So it's just the entertainers, basically, not just K-pop, entertainers or actors, singers, performers. Entertainers are now becoming a huge influencers on the the generation, the current generation. So they are becoming the motivation. They are becoming these role models or these benchmarks for people to look up to. So how do you see this culture? Or is it something that is happening in this 
century or this generation or has it been the same through the years? Again, I think as technology has advanced and people have more access, mm-hmm. that's bringing people more to to want more information, right? Like already before in our time, right? It was like just People Magazine or like these, you know, these newspapers at the grocery store. Now you can just Google anybody, see their profile. And we think that we know them because the information is out there. But as we mentioned, that's a very small portion of who they are. And again, going back to Jackson, he's like, oh, I don't care about the celebrity piece. That's just my job. So to even categorize his job as being a celebrity is kind of sad in a way because this is people think, okay, I signed up for this to entertain. And most people are like, well, we deserve to have these things because we're giving you love. And so when people keep things more private, um, it becomes really difficult because people are clamoring for more. Um, what do they always say? Don't meet your heroes because they'll probably disappoint you. I don't believe in that saying 100%, but I think what people put out sometimes is not consistent with their authentic self. They're giving you one face of who they are. And a lot of times on social media, it's filtered through a positive lens. Um, No one is going, most celebrities aren't going to put out like, I'm depressed day one, I'm depressed day two, uh, and day three, et cetera. I mean, some people will put posts and things, but that's not the general flavor that we see from celebrities until, you know, things get really, really bad. So talking about mental health and celebrities promoting it, have you ever felt like there was a time when mental health has to be normalized among people. We had this, uh, the need to give awareness to make people understand what mental health is. And now it has become a trend where anyone on social media, they would love to call themselves depressed. They would love to express themselves that they are suffering with mental health. Have you been thinking, like as a clinical psychologist, uh, have you ever felt that the technical terms that were supposed to be used by the actual victims are now being overused by people without understanding the seriousness of the issues? Yeah, I think that's one of the problems that's been happening is the saturation of people claiming to be experts. And, you know, my bias is clinical psychology, I say, and while people go to me for certain expertise, I, I would say I'm a continual learner because you cannot say I'm an expert, we're done. Um, And I agree, people throw around depression, anxiety, as like, buzzwords, so to speak, it's become that and self care and burnout and things like that. But for depression, anxiety to be a clinical disorder, you do have to meet certain criteria. And so I think just being really careful of putting information out there when you are someone without training, um, it's just the same thing. Like everyone web MDs when they feel sick. And while those are helpful guidelines, um, it does not replace seeing a medical doctor. And so even if you're talking about it and normalizing it, but you still need professional help, you know, go, go seek that professional help because you can't necessarily just put something out on social media thinking that this is the diagnosis. And students tend to do that because you're reading this book and they're like, oh, I have this personality disorder. I have this and that. And it's like, okay, you may have some traits. Like there's, there's such thing as healthy narcissism, but there's certain criteria for meeting narcissistic personality disorder. And so if you are in question of whether you meet these clinical depression or anxiety, like reach out to someone to give you an accurate diagnosis that has the training. That's, that's amazing. So uh, just you know, like we have 
dwelled a lot into psychology and some serious talks. So I just wanted to bring out some fam girling moments. So I just have some light-hearted questions for you to wrap the session. So I was just wondering, are there any groups that you would like to listen or you would love to get introduced to in the future? I am always looking for new music. Um, and I know Les Seraphim has been mm-hmm. doing quite well with their debut. I, I like their songs. Um, new Jeans put out some really great new music. Now, I think what's really, really hard is that they're so young and they're still growing. And so it's really cool to see their development at the same time from a psychologist standpoint making sure I almost feel like protective of them because they're so young. Like, mm-hmm. you know, let's be careful with the, the uh, outfits that they're wearing mm-hmm. because they are under 18 and mm-hmm. also promoting healthy eating and things like that. Like, I'm not really sure why people kind of have to starve. Some people have to starve during, you know, their comebacks and things like that. I'm like, I love to eat. Like, girl, just eat <laughs> <You're> <laughs> dancing 15 hours a day. Right. But I'm hoping that the template for an idol continues to shift, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited about them. I, again, I love Kwasa. So just seeing mm-hmm. the mama move come back and um, these groups that have been waiting to launch their music and we haven't seen some things from them in a while. Like we always want more black pink. I was just happy with like the amount of songs in the album because I was worried that it would be like three songs and three remixes. <laughs> like everyone's clamoring for more. But, you know, my husband and I agree, like they're living their best lives. They don't have to put out music every month or, you know, even every year because they have so many other things going on and they don't have to like stress themselves out with a comeback so frequently. That's that's beautiful. That's amazing. And uh, let me let me slide into your DMs with a few more groups and a lot more songs as well. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> wow, give me more. Awesome. Give me more. Give me more. Like it's <laughs> definitely so cool to see these new groups. And oh, I saw Stray Kids um, mm-hmm. right before the pandemic in this very small college venue. So those were the best K-pop tickets I've ever had. Um, but they, we did like a high touch where we were just like high-fiving them and, uh, it was so fast, um, and no pictures. So you can't like take pictures. There's no evidence that you actually high-five them, which is, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I touch, I touch, high you know? touch. Yeah. Like, yeah. I hope your hands are clean. Um, but yeah, we had to wear masks and at the time and, um, you know, sanitize our hands. So people were still being super cautious, but Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just love to see pe- their growth because mm-hmm. if we think about it, the thing I love about BTS too, is that they write, produce a lot of their songs, or at least have a hand in it. And Stray Kids has this very unique, uh, three racha that exactly. were together and like, they're re- they really put a lot of effort and energy into writing their own music, which I mm-hmm. always appreciate from people because, that's an opportunity to be your authentic self. Wow, that's lovely. So yes, um, let us just talk about the upcoming season five of Color of Success. So can you just give us, you know, like just our fans get a glimpse or just a teaser of who are the guests that we can expect in season five? And when is it starting? We'll release it in the second week of January on Monday. And we're going to kick it off with Dave Liu, who is a investor in Asian-owned businesses. So he backed the Jeremy Lin um, documentary on HBO. He continues to promote um, you know, different brands like Sanzo and at the XLB's uh, dumplings on TikTok and things like that. And so it's really interesting to see how his story came about because he for 
he's like, the metrics were met. I went to Stanford. I got into these big tech companies and he wants to create a legacy for his children and for the community so that we can fight racism and stigmatization of, you know, mental health or, or finding microaggressions and things like that. So that will be our premiere and um, just as diverse as last season, um, you know, we have authors, um, uh, there is a filmmaker, designer, and she did a um, documentary called Melanin, and it's about colorism. And I thought that was so interesting, like people, it, and I'm sure you have experienced this as well, is like people judge folks for their complexion. And I told her, well, I don't see sunlight, so that's why I'm so pale. Um, <laughs> it's in my jeans. But, you know, people try to like bleach their face to have like real pale skin. And that's so dangerous because can we just embody people for who they are, what they look like without judging or stereotyping them? So we have a lot of interesting topics. There's one guy who um, is actually in Europe and he came out with an app to it's called Wisdom. Um, and he really draws on his work of people know themselves. We just have to facilitate asking questions so that they can get to the answers. He includes children in that. Like they know themselves. We as adults just need to facilitate them tapping into that wisdom. So, so diverse. We'll see as they roll out. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's, that's lovely. You know, like, we are already excited. I am already excited. And by this time, I'm sure that my listeners would want me to ask this question to you personally, like how to stay consistent with the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. My listeners are screaming. I can hear them scream like, Anthea, learn something from your guest. So how to stay consistent and especially uh, from a podcast who also brings in guests, you know, like fixing a guest is not easy. Can I start ranting about it? I don't want to, but like <laughs> people say yes, then they say no, then it's all over the place at times. So how do you plan this and how do you do this? Well, first um, I ask for help. That's number <laughs> one. Um, at the initial stage, I joke like it's all people who felt sorry for me that love me and like helped me with, like I said, the um, the logo and um, editing and things like that. I surround myself with people who don't care about the bells and whistles. They don't want, you know, they don't care about how many listens or downloads or all that stuff. Um, and so I, it's hard not to look at those numbers as a uh, host and a founder. However, you know, if I can help one person, especially when you get those letters um, that really say, hey, this episode really made me feel seen. Um, and even you giving me that wonderful boost in my ego, um, I will come back down, guys, but I'm going to stick with that with Anthea during this podcast. I mean, those are the things that we really are making an impact on. And so there's been several times where I'm like, oh, I'm going to quit. Like, why do I have to do this? Right. The work because it can be exhausting. But every time my daughter's like, what? You can't quit the podcast, you know? And um, that really motivates me because it means so much to them that it means a lot to me. Yeah, that, that's amazing. And of course, you know, like my team, they have been very, very considerate and very kind to me. You know, like you should see the consistency, the weirdness you know, like in my podcast the way it comes out i really wish to learn a few points you know, like off the record we are definitely going to talk about it and i'm going to take notes so, <laughs> yeah <laughs> so I, I wanted to add though that having a good team around you is so essential and um excuse me we we recently hired a social media manager to kind of help us with that because for a while it was me doing all of it, right? Ex except for the um, editing piece, because 
No, I mean, a lot of hosts don't like to do that. I don't like to do that. Um, I do that. Oh, my goodies. <laughs> I do everything. I do from the template to the editing to the posting and all that. Yeah, it's a lot. And I think as time has gone on, you'll learn your process. And I think that's part of it is pod fading is huge. It's real. And um, being able to have like processes in place, like guest request forms and um, templates for sending out pre-podcast information. Uh, And I can definitely share, I'm so open with sharing all my resources with you so that you can kind of see if any of it could help you. But I think it really does take strong will to be consistent because it's like, ah, like this is a lot to do. Right. And so um, just connecting with your why and you don't have to do it every week. You could do it every other week, but just that whole thought of like having a schedule really helps just as we would with our day jobs and our, and our work, like this is the deadline. How are we going to meet it? And who do I need to ask for, for help to make this happen? Oh, that's that's amazing. So thank you so much. And finally, I am sure that the listeners love listening to you and would love to follow your pages and your podcast. So feel free to share your podcast to our listeners and also let them know your social media platforms where they could follow your content. Absolutely. So everything can be found at Color Success Podcast. Dot com And I'm sure there'll be links in the description. Um, and then um, Anthea kindly mentioned my Instagram, which is color success, but there's underscores under each of those um, words after each word. So um, yeah, feel free to reach out if you want to like nerd out on BTS or just have a chat. Um, you know, my LinkedIn and Facebook are all on um, the website. So, you know, and I'm sure again in the description, but Um, I just, I'm so thankful that you and honored that you had me on the show because um, that's so cool that someone in another continent is listening to our content. Like how beautiful is that? Thank you. The honor is all mine. And of course, you know, like Stephanie was definitely very welcoming and that's why she's here. Like I texted her and she texted back and we are making this happen. So do feel free to connect with her and have your own fun with people, mental health, and whatnot. So, yeah, and for Believe, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Believe in K-pop. And as for me, it's at Ampia on Instagram and Twitter. So, yes, guys, uh, I am super excited. I don't know why this energy is inside me. It's because of the guests. I really had so much fun, um, to be really honest. Like, after a long day, I was kind of uh, lazy or kind of null, dumb uh, before this episode started. But since the first uh, line that we exchanged with each other, I have been getting this good energy. And I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. So thank you so much for making this happen. Thank you so much for joining us, Stephanie. Thank you so much. And I know it's midnight over there, so please get some sleep. Um, yeah, we we definitely pushed our boundaries, guys, because, you know, I'm not a morning person and I felt so bad for Hindi. I was like, oh, let, let me be coherent. So let's figure out this time. But absolutely, we're starting a friendship that will last a long enduring friendship. So thank you so much for having me. Yes. So thank you so much, guys. Thank you for listening. Do let us know what you feel about this episode. Do tag us and mention us uh, in our social media platforms. And I promise the video will be out after two weeks after the episode comes out on the streaming platforms. So also keep an eye on that. Uh, make sure to follow my YouTube channel and keep an eye on this video interview. And yeah, that's all. Uh, This is a new week. Hope you all uh, have a great week ahead. Make sure to spread love and be loved. This is Anthea Isit 
Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.